You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition, and things feel a little bit more complete around here because we're all back together. And by that, I mean Craig Stout is back. But first, let me introduce you to my pal. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. Hello, Kent. I, I'm glad that Craig, the Renaissance man, Hollywood Hop, is back with us because I have been feeling a little incomplete without him. And now without college football from at least the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the MAC, I just don't know if I can handle this week without the return of the Barley Stunna himself. Craig, how was your time curing as many diseases as you possibly could have? You know, the previous version of Craig, before he went on vacation, <laughs> would have taken offense to all this. But I have climbed up the mountaintop. I have come <laughs> back down. I am embracing this. I demand you call me the Renaissance Man. I demand. <laughs> That you call me Barley Stunner. I'm going full heel on this. This is the new Craig Stout. Shut it down, Craig. You have to do this the entire episode. The entire. I'm gonna ruin my throat. I don't what care. What does he have to do? This is just his new voice. This is what happens when you go out and become one with nature. Like he says, he climbed a mountain, but I think he just moved it. He has become all that is man. He is now like we all aspire to be him. Well, we already did. But like now, just if you're not Craig Stout, what are you doing with your life? Uh, okay. Now I'm done with that. No! We, can, we can quit pretending. No, we no, we do can the quit. first segment with that voice. <laughs> no, not nah, ain't happening. Ain't happening at all. Nobody wants to listen to that. So glad to I be do. back here <laughs> talking with you guys. There was a lot of football stuff that happened while I was gone, so I'm excited to talk football. Yeah, Craig Stout returns from vacation, and college football gets canceled. We got to start there. Uh, we are going to be without the Big Ten, without the Pac-12, who cares? Uh, and the Mac. Maction is gone uh, this year. It's kind of sad. It does sound like recent reports the Big 12 is planning on playing. Some people considered them uh, to be the linchpin in all this. As far as the college football season outlook, sounds like they're making a go at it. But we are losing some very talented football players if they don't transfer, Craig. Yeah, this sucks. This sucks a lot. Um, I get. I, I kind of understand the, the logic behind it on a very surface level. We're not going to get into the whole amateurism debate and everything like that, but... This stinks for a lot of the players that maybe needed to show an extra year. We've talked about some of them in the past. I, there's guys like Sean Wade that a lot of people think is a round one player that I needed to see more. He didn't play on the boundary. I wanted to see if he had a little bit better athletic profile. 
I there's other guys. The Oregon kids. Uh, that entire secondary is basically draft eligible, and they needed to have good years to go really high in the draft. So, I mean, it, it just stinks for a lot of these kids that aren't going to be able to put stuff on tape because we know that NFL teams tend to shy away, even in a pandemic year, tend to shy away from guys who have limited production or miss years or instances like that. And now it looks like there's going to be a large group of players from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten that are going to miss the year. I think one of the trickiest things to handle here in terms of a scouting perspective is the Big 12 is going to continue with their season. I think you can assume that the SEC, at least right now, the Big 12 plans to continue with the fall season. The SEC is going to likely be right there with them based on what they've said lately. So now you're going to have two of these Power 5 conferences. Maybe you get some more. I think the ACC still plans on it as well. Like You're going to have these three conferences that are still going to play football. How does that affect players that play in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, like, is their draft stock going to fall now because you're getting more recent film of these other guys? Like, what happens? Can these players transfer last second? Is The Rock going to buy an island so he can see XFL football with them? Are we going to get a better spring league? Is it going to be a senior bowl month-long camp? Like, what's going to happen for these guys? Because some of these kids do need to show stuff. Sean Wade, I know he's a lot of Chiefs fans' favorites because they heard his name last year and he plays for a very popular team. He doesn't move like a first-round cornerback, so I really wanted to see him play outside. That's a player that should have been on the Chiefs' radar that now you don't ever get to see used as an outside cornerback, so what do I do with him going forward? I think you have a bunch of questions with guys like Chris Olave, another Ohio State player. You're going to have a bunch of guys from Michigan that are super athletes, but you just want to see their growth. Same thing with guys in the Pac-12. You have a lot of questions that are going to be unanswered from these kids if they don't get to go somewhere else and play football, whereas anyone from a conference that does play they will answer those questions. That has to make you feel a little bit better about them rather than what the only thing you get to see is them running around in shorts and tank tops at the combine. So I just, I wonder what it's going to do for those particular prospects as they go forward. Does that affect their decision to come back another year? It's just, there's a whole log jam of things that are going to come out of this now. I mean, there's a chance that we have a full-on just transfer palooza occur. I mean, this could wind up being... A con- like a condensing of all the talent uh, in college football into three conferences. Kansas may be relevant again for the first time. Hey, why not? Let's get let's get uh, Kadon Slovis or whatever his name is over at USC. Let's just bring him in. You know, if he's looking yeah, for you're a place to go, high. you're right. Trevor Lawrence. Oh wait, Trevor Lawrence. The ACC is going to play. Justin Fields. Let's go, buddy. Come out here and thrive. <laughs> Les Miles has it cooking. The RPO game of Brett Deerman is second to none. I th- but I do think there's a chance that we see a lot of these really talented players, you know, especially guys that are probably going to enter the draft this next year, make the move to the Big 12 or the ACC or the SEC. And that could make things really, really interesting uh, for, for the competition that you wind up seeing on Saturdays because the, the talent level is going to be through the roof in a lot of different places that you aren't used to it. Uh, it's something to monitor for sure, but I do think it still throws a wrench in a lot of things, and this whole process is going to be a mess. Uh, it's have, this is, Boy, it's, it's, it's sure good that we aren't doing some sort of draft-related product that we do every year on a consistent basis based on the information we collect over the course of the year. That would be something, wouldn't it, boys? 
that would be tragic if we were to do something like that. I know. I just I don't get it. But what do you what do you guys think the plan is now? What's what's going to happen? How are how is football going to respond to this globally with with the you know with the NFL and college football because there's a lot of stuff you know the NFL needs you know the they need college football for the decision making process. I mean, yeah, uh, you you've got to have some semblance of information that you're providing to the NFL and whether that be you know, the senior bowl or, you know, a spring football sort of organization or something like that before the draft, you've got to have those sorts of things in place. I know that Jim Nagy, the director of the senior bowl has talked about how there are lots of eligible juniors that will be, you know, on their radar. Uh, Maddie, I believe even suggested a senior bowl camp rather than, you know, and the traditional senior bowl experience there i think we're about to see a lot of evolution here maybe you know uh, one of these leagues maybe the xfl does start up and does kind of corral all these juniors and seniors in and have them play four games you know just give them a little bit of tape that the nfl can then use because they need that information we you can only talk to so many you know, coaches and look at 2019 tape and 2018 tape and try and get your idea of what the player is. A lot of these guys are kind of behind the eight ball. A lot of these teams are because they send their scouts out throughout the year to get all of this information, dig down in deep on a player. Now they're going to be shooting a lot more in the dark. So I, I do think that they have to come up with something in the spring so that the players can play and get some tape. It's not just the on-field stuff for these scouts and the fact-finding, too. Some of their ability to collect information from sources at schools is going to be a lot different, too. I mean, mm-hmm. flat out not being able to travel to some of these places, most likely. That's a big piece of this. You know, a lot of there's some people that say it, the job of a scout is, is half player evaluation and half private investigator. Some of the things that these guys do to go collect information, they'll dress up as a college kid and go sit at a bar and try to observe these guys. Uh, or they'll go to a bar and ask people about you know those players and stuff. It's it's extensive what these guys do and their ability to to collect information on all these players is going to be significantly different too. One thing to keep in mind, keep an eye on. I believe the assets of the XFL, the helmets and all that stuff. I'm not sure if if uh, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson got all that stuff, but they might have the infrastructure quicker than people realize. If that is the case, because I do, I think I remember seeing something about that that you know the assets i don't know if they they went up for auction along with the team but if they did i mean hey you might be able to get things up and running pretty quick so i think with spring football i think you saw a little bit about like the nfl spring league talking about maybe setting up a kind of bracket style spring football program that would allow college or draft eligible players to participate i think they were talking about inviting them and they were talking about doing it in the fall rather than doing it in the spring. I think that'd be a great thing that they could do for some of these guys. I think college spring football is a terrible idea. I If you're going to cancel the fall season, you just skip the whole year. You do not need to push these kids out there in the spring to go right back into sh- their off-season workout programs in the summer and play again in the fall. That doesn't help the NFL. That doesn't help your players. It does absolutely nothing. You just need to skip the season altogether if that's the case. So then it falls on Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl staff to let the seniors shine and draft eligible, eligible juniors. But what do you do for the rest of everybody else? I think we've touched on it. XFL, this spring league, like you got to start looking for these outside avenues. I just wonder what that does in the future. 
what happens next year if a player sees success from these guys playing in the XFL or in the spring league or just doing something else? Does that open up more players like Kenny Robinson to go to the XFL and play rather than trying to play in college football? The NBA tried to see Brandon Jennings do that with the NFL Europe, and it kind of had mixed results, and some other players followed suit, but not that many. But with this many players being forced into this situation, you might get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence showcasing their talents in one of these other ways. Maybe you get Trey Lance goes and lights up the XFL and jumps one of those players in the draft. I guarantee you people would try it again next year because that's just a possibility. So I think college athletes especially, and the NFL needs to support this, let these kids go out there and find a way to play, whether that's in college, whether that's at the Senior Bowl, the Spring League, the XFL, something. Support these kids going out and showcasing their talents. The more avenues you get to see these players play in in different situations rather than just in very unbalanced NCAA football, is great for them in the process of trying to find who's going to work in the NFL and who isn't. Yeah, uh, why why would anybody hate, you know, taking giving another option other than the NCAA? Like yeah. at this point, uh, that should be the goal. Like get some competition in there so that the competitive balance is restored. They figure out how to take care of these kids in the right way, whether that be, you know, name and likeness or whatever the case may be. They just need a change put forth there. So, yeah, this might be a domino, you know, in this whole thing that forces a major, major change in, you know, the draft content and the the way that guys get to the NFL. I think the first domino is how the XFL responds, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if they try to, you know, fast pass this to a, you know, fall season or a spring season. Give these guys another opportunity. I do think the ex. I do think spring football is going to be tough for the legit draft prospects, which is going to you know kind of um, you know dilute the the college game a little bit because you're not going to have as many stars. Because I do think those guys are ultimately just going to get ready for the NFL draft. Um, now it, there could be adjustments to when the draft happens. That certainly could be one of the questions, or it could be similar to what happens with college baseball, who. You know, college baseball—they're playing during the draft. Uh, during draft weekend, they're still playing. I think they're in call the College World Series, so uh, or the w- first week of uh, or it's one of the two. But it's it's late in the season. It could see something similar to that. I don't know. Um, you know, how do we think this affects the Chiefs if they win the Super Bowl? It's if they go to the Super Bowl and this and the Senior Bowl is the same time. Brett Veach isn't going to be there. There's one less set of eyes on there in the most critical of uh, evaluation periods in the history of college sports in the history of the national football league it's it's literally if the senior bowl goes on as as normal in the same time period i mean if the chiefs are in the super bowl again brett veach isn't gonna be there and that's gonna be a fascinating piece of this because i bet you there's some exceptions made and some rule changes to allow more time visiting with these guys um, I bet you, you know, like the, the minimums on, on interviews at the combine, there's just so many things that could really happen. But if the Chiefs are making a deep playoff run, they're not going to be able to get as many eyes on guys potentially because Brett Veach isn't going to be there. Now their scouts are more than capable, but you still want your decision maker a little bit more I- involved in that situation. He probably won't be. So it's clearly going to make the job a little bit harder for the Chiefs and every other team in the NFL. You have two conferences not playing at all. A lot of those guys aren't going to get a chance to play. You're going to have a bunch of other schools, any you know Division II school, the MAC, any other non-Power 5 conference probably isn't going to play. There's going to be a lot of kids that don't get to go out there and showcase their progression, their development throughout their college years. 
That makes the process of scouting significantly deeper. We've given some examples already, but here's the thing. If the Chiefs front office has been anything, it's thorough. They have a plan. Like this Chiefs front office is very competent. They have a plan. We've heard guys like Brendan Daly and Matt House talk about players that they liked from the year before, especially talking about Mike Dana. These guys do a little bit of advanced scouting. They've got their eyes on people already. I do think their jobs will be harder, but if there was a few teams in the NFL that I would say, I don't think this is going to affect as badly, I would definitely put the Chiefs in that group from what we've seen from them so far. I just think the infrastructure is really good. They will be able to figure it out and work with it a lot better than most other teams. It's just, it does make it a lot harder logistically, especially with travel schedules, travel bans, and everything like that going on. But I expect they'll figure it out as good as any NFL team does. Luckily, the Chiefs have Ryan Nutt the director of college scouting. He's the guy that's kind of been responsible for putting these guys that he likes in front of Brett Veach to kind of narrow things down. And we've seen the past two drafts have been particularly good. Ryan Nutt has done his job. And yeah, it's going to rely on him to do his research, to be there at an instance like the Senior Bowl that may be one of the few times that he gets to see some of these guys out there and really give a good breakdown and a good scout of each one of these players. I think you're going to see a lot of teams, the Chiefs, other NFL teams, that go out of their way to have their hands on drills. Um, At the Senior Bowl, you have coaches that are down on the sideline, you know, guys that kind of ask some of the teams to run guys through specific drills or ask for specific guys to be at the senior bowl because they want to see them at different positions. You may see a lot of teams make a lot more requests because they didn't get the tape. They don't know what these guys can do. If they are looking at a position switch, then maybe they want to see them there so that they can see them in those positions and give them the kind of reps that they want there because it is going to be very limited. I expect that the Chiefs are probably going to be one of those teams as well. Some of these situations are unique to the Chiefs potentially, you know, like if they make a, a long run. But a lot of these are just they're just for the entire NFL in general. You know, all these teams are going to be playing in a similar environment, um, and there's only a few variables that could really change for the Chiefs. But largely, you know, every team is going to be kind of facing the same uphill battle trying to collect information and get things right on this. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch, uh, especially, you know, there's so, there's still so much in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the, if the college football is even going to happen for sure in any capacity. Now we still don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, but the teams that are the most, um, you know, flexible during this entire process are probably going to be the ones that find the most success. And I think the chiefs have been pretty flexible to this point. I think, you know, run it back probably had a little bit to do with the environment that we're all in right now. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We, uh, we had some Chiefs news uh, since the last time we talked. Alex Okafor restructured his contract 
saving the Chiefs roughly $3 million and making him a free agent in 2021. Uh, very interesting move this late in the year, this late in the, the, the preseason process, Craig. It ends up saving the Chiefs about $2 million in cap space this year, bumping them up to about $13 million. But the part that's the most intriguing is the lopping off of that last year of the contract. Guys, make no mistake, Alex Okafor was going to get cut if he didn't agree to this restructure. It looks like uh, a move that is completely under the umbrella of, hey, Alex, we're looking to move on from you, and we need this amount of money. This is the amount of money that we would save. If you want to be here, we need to restructure your contract so that we can save that money anyway. So I do think that the Chiefs basically went to him and said, you're in a pandemic. It's going to be tough to find work. Please agree to this contract. And it looks like he and his agent did because I don't really see too much of a benefit for Alex Okafor in this restructure as some of these other restructures tend to be for the player. Essentially just had to be the threat of being cut outweighed the possibility of getting paid a little bit more money this year. He's getting more this year than if he was outright cut. Not a ton more, but a little bit more by doing this restructure. So he makes a little bit more money this year. In his mind, he's hitting the free agency next year where there should be a little bit more money available or if not he's still preparing himself for the future where there should get money should return to normal because it sounds like the chiefs had to be willing to cut him for him to do this deal where he makes less money by the end of his contract to completely get rid of the chance to make next year's like this helps the chiefs significantly more than it helps alex okafor he had to believe that the threat to cut him was real he had to believe that the chiefs would be willing just be like okay we're going to have to do this without you now, or I don't see why he would take this deal overall. So to his defense, like, yeah, he kind of got put into a corner here. The Chiefs were willing to do it, but he decided to make the deal. He's betting on himself to have a good year and make more money in the long run. It's just, it's a very bold move for the Chiefs that kind of shows you how they're feeling about their team right now. The um, I think the interesting piece of all this, like I, I do think this was a business side handling of the COVID situation. I think they leveraged what's happening with the potential revenue of the NFL next year. And, and I think that the Chiefs used that leverage to negotiate with Alex Okafor. Uh, and I don't know if we've seen that yet to this point. I'm not sure we've seen the Chiefs do that yet. Um, they did here, in my opinion, at least. And um, the Chiefs are over the cap right now. Uh, for 2021, still, with, even with the Alex Okafor, you know, move, and like they're still going to be, and there's probably going to be a couple of decisions they got to make next year. Uh, if if the cap projections are what they really are, um, but I think that's what we saw. I think Alex Okafor is a casualty of the situation that the National Football League's in, and I think the Chiefs used it uh, in this particular instance, not in a not in a vicious way or just in a business way. So that's kind of what I see. Um, one thing it does seem to kind of indicate, Maddie, is that the Chiefs might feel pretty good about that defensive end room as a whole, though. Yeah, so if anybody followed along with my tweets yesterday, my first thought that I tweeted out for everybody was, hey, the Chiefs pretty much told Okafor he was going to be cut or accept this restructure. The next thing I said was essentially the Chiefs have to feel pretty good about who they have in the defensive end room because if you're willing to threaten a player that if he doesn't agree to your very team-friendly deal, 
you're going to cut him, you have to be okay with that alternative. You have to be okay with him saying, that's fine, cut me, I'll make a little bit of money and go sign elsewhere. The Chiefs clearly were okay with that. Whether that means getting guys like Taco Charlton or Tano Passanio or Breland Speaks or Mike Dana, there's a fair amount of guys actually into the building, getting to see them work out, have them in person and meeting, see what they're looking like, made them feel good. I have a slight hunch that Taco Charlton has impressed them since he's been there. Just the fact that he's been, they specifically mentioned that they liked what they kind of seen from him and talking to him, but they hadn't got to see him in person on the field and work with him. All of a sudden, the guys come into the building. Pretty soon you get this offer, which sounds like a, we're willing to cut Okafor if he doesn't agree to us. And if somebody had to impress them or there's some other kind of plan they have going on a defensive end that makes them feel comfortable getting rid of Okafor. Right now, I just have a hunch that it's a Taco Charlton thing. It could be somebody else, but somebody out there has their interest and makes them okay with losing Okafor if he decided not to. That's, that's exactly what it screams to me as well because we've talked about the defensive end rotation a lot this offseason maddie pointed out that he believed that tano passigno was probably you know the guy that was going to start opposite of frank clark now all of a sudden here it's looking more and more increasingly likely that either tano passigno or taco charlton will be that guy because if you were counting on alex okafor to be your starter you're not going to put his contract on the line like that so I think that should tell you they expect Alex Okafor to be more of a depth piece. Now, the season could get here and everything could change. Maybe he goes on a hot streak and then they can't keep him off the field. But as it stands right now, they believe they can do this with him as a depth or rotational piece alongside the Tim Wards, alongside a slimmer Breland Speaks. He looks good. He really does look good. Now, remains to be seen if he can play defensive end. We'll get there. But... Uh, he looks good. Taco Charlton looks good. Tano Passino looks good. Mike Dana looks good. They have kind of a plethora of options at this. Like we talked about last week, it's going to be a tough room to make it in. And all of a sudden, when you start hearing about Alex Okafor, you know, restructuring a deal that doesn't benefit him in a big, big way, and it really benefits the Chiefs, it starts to indicate that maybe they are looking at that defensive end room and being okay with it as it stands. And maybe this is a sign that there's a little bit of hope for Breland Speaks. Like, I think we're all a little bit concerned. Like, you all, I think everybody knows our opinion on him at this point. But he checked the first box. He did. For, for, the, for the Breland Speaks revenge tour on the AP Laboratory, which, frankly, I hope happens. Mm, I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> if He's slim. He looks really good. Go find the... We're going to plug the Chiefs website here real quick for him. Go to Chiefs.com, find the photos of the August 11th practice, and be impressed with what Breland Speaks looks like getting into the building. He looks great. You don't, you hear the words, best shape of your life thrown around all the time? Breland Speaks looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah, everybody's in the best shape of their life at this point. Breland Speaks is legitimately there. Do you know that the Chiefs really want Breland Speaks to break out this year? And maybe not even break out, but just have be, show 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 the ability to play in this league and to play at a consistent weight the entire season and to give good effort because they have Breland Speaks under club control next year. And a lot of the guys we're talking about, Alex Okafor, Taco Charlton, Tano Passanio, they don't. They don't have control of them anymore after this year. Uh, one other quick nugget and thought on, on Alex Okafor. This is probably, you know, I think part of the thing with them is 
you know, if, if Alex Okafor didn't think he's going to be able to find a job this year or get paid more than league minimum, this is the place for him to be. Like part of the selling point needs to be, hey, look, you had the second highest sack total of your career in nine games. You had five sacks in in 10 games, really. He started nine. You had five sacks in 10 games. You you can be on the you can be on the Emmanuel Ogba route here and go get that Emmanuel Ogba contract after 2021 because you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have production. So I just one thing to think about there. Just just throwing that out there. I just I was just thinking about that. This is a good situation for Alex Okafor too. One of the things that that kind of transpired from all this though, guys, is that there's cap space to be had. There is there's some space here. Now there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of things they can do with it, but. There's some options here, Craig. Yeah, spend it. Spend it all. That's what I want. <laughs> I want new guys in the village. No, I think that realistically, the Chiefs could roll all this over to help with the cap hit that will happen next year. That's probably the primary thing. But I do think, and we've talked about these guys all offseason. Like, I, I, we've been getting lots of questions about Jadavian Clowney and Logan Ryan this week since this move happened. Guys, we've been talking about them all offseason, guys that would slot right in and be able to help the Chiefs even still. And if the Chiefs could work something out that doesn't eat up all that cap space, I think that both of those guys still make sense. Maybe they were willing to move on from Alex Okafor because they knew they could spend that money on Jadavian Clowney, and they still could. Or maybe they realized, okay, we're going to put it on the table. If we, you know, cut Alex Okafor, we're going to sign Jadavian Clowney. If he agrees to this, we're going to turn around and sign Logan Ryan. There are multiple avenues for this to occur. I do think that rolling over the money is probably the decision that may be the most wise. But if they are going to run it back, if they really are all in on this season, going in on Jadavian Clowney or Logan Ryan makes a ton of sense. I'm upset that Kent decided to throw in this little tidbit about the defensive ends on their last year as a throwaway comment on this last question because that was my entire point to be had here. I would love for the Chiefs to go after Everson Griffin or Jadavion Clowney. I've been talking about getting Jadavion Clowney on this team on a one-year deal all offseason. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think the Chiefs are gonna be a, don't have enough cap space to give him what he wants, but if he's willing to take a little bit less for this one year, if only bad teams with a ton of space are offering him what he wants and he wants to win, come to the Chiefs, get a ring, look good, make more money next year, it makes a ton of sense. The issue is if you bring in Clowney, that means Alex Okafor is going to make the team, Frank Clark's going to make the team, Clowney's going to make the team, K-Pass is going to make the team. That's four guys right there that are making the team for sure. Three of them are on one-year deals. How much playing time are you going to give to guys that aren't going to be on the team next year? Because those guys are going to eat up the majority of your playing time 100%. And I think the team's better this year for it, for sure. Like If that's your goal to run it back and do that, then go for it. It's just the only guys that are going to be on the roster next year as of right now are the guys that have shown the least in the NFL. And Breland Speaks and Mike Dana, you'd really like to see them get on the field a little bit more rather than bury them on the depth chart. But at the same time, winning a Super Bowl is more important. So I'm not upset if they go after Jadavion Clowney. That's just the, and Taco Charlton's also another guy on a one-year deal, shown more in the NFL than Speaks and Dana, probably going to make the roster. There's just a lot of guys that are coming off the roster next year if you're giving them all this kind of money to play defensive end. It really better be worth it. And in Clowney's case or Griffin's case, I think it would be because they're really good players. 
As for Logan Ryan, I'd prefer an outside corner, especially a cheaper one, than to roll over the excess. But Brett Veach does not care about outside cornerbacks. Plain and simple, he's out there. He's okay, <laughs> he's okay rolling with Charvarius Ward, Bashad Breeland, Rashad Fenton on the outside. Who are we to judge? Bring in Logan Ryan, play him in the Kendall Fuller role. If Juan Thornhill's not ready, you have coverage. If you need a secondary slot guy, a backup safety, or a starting safety instead for times, Logan Ryan makes a ton of sense. Bring him in. He's been on the market a while. He's made this weird shift to I'm a safety, not a cornerback. Like he's affordable. He's looking for work. You can bring Logan Ryan in if you really want to. Those two guys make a lot of sense. And so does rolling it over when your cap situation's terrible. I just think it's really weird to specifically make space this year with this Okafor move if you don't have a plan to use it. Uh, give me Logan Ryan as a better Kendall Fuller in that role. And I want to see all of the exotic coverages that Steve Spagnuolo can run. You thought we saw some last year. Put Logan Ryan on the field and just watch it work. Oh, that is uh, that is one hundred percent what happens. Okay, counterpoint: Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Jadavion Clowney, and Taco Charlton defensive line pass rush thirty-seven. I like both of those. Let's make both of those moves. I like both of those moves. I also think that the Chiefs are in a very precarious situation where they're over the cap next year potentially. <laughs> I don't want to put a wet blanket on all these great ideas where we're just throwing all these fantastic players or sorry, good players onto this football team to help them win a second Super Bowl. They don't need them to win a second Super Bowl. Mm. You know what they need for 2021 to win a third Super Bowl in a row? Cap space. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I tend to think that it's going to be difficult for this team to to navigate next year if they don't just close up the close up the wallet this year. I think they've got to do it. I think they got to close up the wallet this year. I think I, I do think it definitely raises some flags that they did it now. But maybe it's just doing Alex Okafor right, saying, "Hey, you're you're going to get a clean cut after this year." Maybe that's it. I I don't know. I I don't know if that's the case, but I I think they've got to make plans for the future. Because the futures, they have a lot of needs on this football team next year, like a lot. So if they don't start planning for next year, they're gonna. It's not gonna be a fun season. Well, it'll still be fun because Patrick Mahomes is on the team, but they may not be able to field the defense. Maddie, you have a thing. You that you just jumped in. You just jumped onto the rundown, and you have a thing. Let's see what is this a game? Kind of, but I mean, I just want to let our fans know, instead of the podcast ending right now, you're getting some bonus material. So you guys should, you know, let Kent know that this is a great thing. You're getting extra podcasts. Let him know that when Maddie has a thing to add at the end of the podcast, it's a good thumbs up. So the last two weeks, we've been kind of predicting the Chiefs uh, death chart. And every time after we do it, some kind of major roster news drops. I feel like we have to go three for three. It doesn't have to be as long this time because we're kind of getting down to the end of it. I think everyone's going to have very similar stuff, but we got to do the secondary because especially if we're thinking there's a chance that a free agent might be signed, we have to push these guys out there. We have to tell everybody what we think. So I'll go first. You guys just tell me where you disagree. Okay. I think at cornerback, the Chiefs are going to keep Charvarius Ward, Rashad Fenton, Lajarius Sneed, Antonio Hamilton, 
I think that's it at corner for the first four weeks because Bashad Breland's not going to count at some point in time if he's suspended. We assume he's going to be suspended. On my list, he is suspended, so he's not on there right now. So I think only four corners going in the first week. I think at safety, you're going to have Tyron Matthew. Juan Thornhill will be there. Daniel Sorensen. Armani Watts, Rodney Clemens, that's nine defensive backs in the first, you know, however long until Bashad Breland gets to come back. I think Watts or Clemens is gone. Oh, Tedrick Thompson's in there too. I forgot about him entirely. So this is eh. working it out live. No, he's making it. There's 10 coming in. One of those safety goes when Bashad Breland comes back, whoever's lowest man on the totem pole. So where do you guys disagree with that? I have five, well, four corners making the team without Bashad Breland. So Rashad Fenton, Charvarius Ward, Legarius Sneed, Antonio Hamilton, Bo Pete Keys is on the pup list. I think that they're going to mystery IR him, basically. Mystery pup him. Kind of what they did with Darius Harris and Tim Ward. My safeties: Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Dan Sorensen, and I'm still going with Armani Watts. Tedrick Thompson is just Juan Thornhill insurance. Once Juan Thornhill is okay, they just say, eh, we're good. That's where I see it. Yeah, that's I agree with Kent. Only I think that no, I agree with Kent. I I, I think that that's right. Dave and Tobe, I, I I know that's I was getting ready to argue, but Tobe just holds so much power in that regard. And honestly, I don't I don't hate that group. It's not like I'm looking at the rest of these guys and saying, oh yeah, no, that's exactly what I would want to do. So I think that that's the group that I would do. So only eight defensive backs while Bashad Bruins d- suspended. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's where we're going. Do you All have right, any? So you, no, I'm just going to say, everybody can now lock it up that one of these players mentioned will now be cut or a new player will be added yeah. pretty much by the time you hear this because that's just the track record that we've had so far. Come on down, Logan Ryan. I'm pretty glad you made the decision to do this because now that means the Chiefs are adding a secondary piece, which is great. I hope it's Akeem Tlaib because once I tweeted that out, my mentions are torn between people that love that move and that people that I think would like to literally fight me for even suggesting (laughs) that the Chiefs would sign Akeem Tlaib like he is the worst human on the planet and he insulted them to their mother's face or something. It's crazy to me how much people don't like him or love him, but I prefer Akeem Tlaib. I would accept any secondary help at this point in time, though. You know, adding Akeem Tlaib would make for some very good mid-August conversation. I will say that. All right, that is going to do it for the Wednesday episode of the AP Laboratory. Expect some big news to happen because that's how this whole thing has been going. Good job on Maddie. Good heads up by Maddie to help us and help the Chiefs acquire a defensive back here. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. Be sure to keep checking out the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel. We've got so much great stuff going on. Get me ready for the season. We'll catch you later. Thank you